may be seated. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And uh, if you're feeling a little um, confused, uh, we've changed a few things since the last time you were here. That might be what it is if you feel a little disoriented, wondering what's going on. Matthew chapter 13. And we're continuing going through the Gospel of Matthew, and we want to look at verses 44 through 46. Matthew 13, 44 through 46. And as you are turning there or pulling it up on your device, I think there are broadly speaking three ways that you can get your hands on some treasure. If you're, in the, if you're thinking about getting into the treasure hunting business or you want some treasure, I'm going to give you three ways that you could probably get your hands on some treasure. Broadly speaking, the first way is you inherit it. Right? If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we had the coronation of the king over in England and they, they brought out all these treasures that belonged to the royal family and they had those because it was passed down from generation to generation. So one way that you can get your hands on some treasure is to have some wealthy family members and be very kind to them. Another way that you can get your hands on treasure is you discover it. So this is something that people are getting more into. I don't know if you've heard of this thing called magnet fishing. Has anybody heard of magnet fishing? Anybody not know what magnet fishing is? Basically, is you just get a big magnet, I mean, a powerful magnet, and you go throw it into lakes and streams and rivers, and you find all sorts of stuff, you know, metal detecting's uh, becoming more popular. So one way you could get your hand on some treasure is you could discover it, go looking for it. Uh, the third way is you buy it. Sometimes you spend money on something, something that's valuable. Maybe it's a treasure not just financially, but but it's a treasure because of what it is or, or how it adds to a collection. So those are the three ways you can get your hands on treasure. You can inherit it, you can discover it, or you can buy it. Now with that in mind, when we look at our text this morning, Jesus talks about two parables where two individuals find treasure that they come across in their search. In the first parable... The discovery is not so much uh, intentional as it is uh, accidental. And then the second parable, the person in the parable is very much on the search for treasure and finds some. So this morning we want to look at these parables because they teach a very central point and they teach the same central point and that's why we want to consider them together. So let's look at these two parables and then unpack what they mean the first parable that Jesus teaches is the parable of the hidden treasure. If you look at verse 44 of Matthew 13, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything that he has and buys that field. So again, the subject is the kingdom and it's compared to a treasure here. A treasure that is portrayed as something that would be, would be very obvious. He, he discovers a treasure, and he knows it's a treasure. And he knows it's a treasure because he reburies it, and he goes and buys the field. And this is according 
to Jewish law and custom at the time, if he had actually lifted it up out of the ground, it would have technically belonged to the owner of the field. So he's working in the field. He discovers a treasure. He realizes its value and how much he values it. So he covers it back up, and then he goes and sells everything he has to buy the field, right? So can you imagine that you're digging in your garden one day, and you find a great treasure. I mean, what kid hasn't had that dream? I mean, you ask my parents. I used to dig holes in the backyard. You know, I went through that period where Indiana Jones was coming out and everybody wanted to find treasure, right? You wanted to find the ark in your backyard. But that's something that you can, you can imagine the joy that you would have in, in finding a treasure as you're working. And that's what happens with this man. And this joy is a tremendous joy upon discovering the treasure. And so what he does is he goes and sells everything he has. So there's nothing, uh, there's nothing other than this treasure that he'd rather have. He's willing to give up everything and to sell everything. Now notice he doesn't just sell enough to get the field. Because he could have said, okay, how much is this price of land worth? How much would it cost? I'll sell just enough stuff to be able to pay that amount, right? No, what does he do? He's so sure that he wants that treasure that he just sells everything just to cover all his bases, okay? So the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like a treasure for which one is willing to give up everything. And we know what that's like in a small dose, right? Parents, you know what this is like. You know what it's like to give up things to have treasures for your children, treasures for somebody else, for your spouse. And spouses, you do this. A good friend will even do it, right? And we put this in the language of sacrifice. We say, I sacrificed for my kids. I did this. I, I gave up this for my children. But when you stop and think about it, sacrifice is not really the right word, is it? Because you do it willingly, you do it out of love and joy. So yes, you give things up, but, but sacrifice is kind of a strong term. So here the man's not sacrificing anything, is he? Because he's so joyful that he has found this treasure. He's willing to let go of everything, absolutely everything. It's not a sacrifice. In fact, it's an upgrade. So he's willing to lose everything in order to gain this treasure. The second parable really teaches much of the same point. So we have the parable of the hidden treasure, which teaches about this treasure that's valuable and brings joy and is worth giving everything. And then we get to the second parable, the parable of the priceless or the matchless, the value, uh, incomparable value pearl. And it says, Jesus, Jesus says in verse 45, look at what he says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And when he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. Now this language of a priceless pearl, this is, this is a pearl that's a, the pearl of pearls. So notice he deals with pearls. He's looking for pearls. He knows what makes a good pearl, what makes a fine pearl. He knows the basic. You know, he knows the ones that you can get at TJ Maxx, and then he knows the ones you get at Tiffany's, right? He knows the difference, and he's looking for fine pearls. He's looking for the top shelf ones, and then he finds one, 
beyond what he was even looking for. He was looking for fine pearls, but what does he find? A priceless, incomparable, and unbelievably beautiful, worthy pearl. And it says when he found it, what does he do? He goes and sells everything he had and bought it. So that priceless, incomparable pearl was easy and made it easy to give up everything he had in order to possess it. It says, and notice in both parables, that they go and they sell everything. So Jesus says the kingdom is like this treasure that you find in joy and it is worth giving everything to have. So in both parables, someone finds a treasure and the kingdom of heaven is portrayed as this, this reality for which nothing could be compared to it. Nothing is as precious as the kingdom. In other words, if someone truly knows the nature of the kingdom, Jesus says, they would live with open hands. They wouldn't be clinging to what they have if it meant that whatever was in their hands was taken and what was placed in it instead was the kingdom. And so part of what we see this morning is that the kingdom of heaven is the truest treasure. That's part of the main idea I want you to see this morning. The kingdom of heaven is the truest treasure. There is nothing more valuable than the kingdom. Not just in the sense of it is better than everything by grades or degrees. It is incomparably better. It's not the kingdom and then your hobby or anything else right below it. It is unbelievably better. It is the truest treasure. We might even say, you know that quote from Augustine, our hearts are restless till it finds its rest in you. We might say our hearts are not content. Our hearts are hasn't gotten the treasure that it longs for until it finds the treasure of the kingdom. A kingdom treasure that is worth giving everything. And so now I know what you're thinking. What do we do with this? How do we understand this parable in the life of a Christian? I know what you're thinking. You're thinking I'm going to say something like, Believers are to treasure the kingdom above all. If we want the kingdom, we have to be willing to sacrifice everything. Something like we are to joyously give everything in order to get the kingdom. Uh, but I'm not going to say that. In some sense, that's true and right. But let's ask some questions. First of all, if I stood up here and I told you the kingdom can be yours if you have found it and recognized it and you realized the treasure it was and you treasured it enough to be willing to sacrifice everything and you must have sacrificed everything already and you must treasure it so supremely and it must be first and you must do all this with perfectly maintained joy. Let me ask you, how many of you would leave here with any assurance that you actually have the kingdom? I wouldn't. And so what we need from this text is not to know that we found the treasure and responded perfectly because honestly, 
We don't. And we haven't. In other words, if the securing of the treasure of the kingdom is based on our ability to recognize it properly, and it's based on our ability to value it properly, and it's based on our ability to sacrifice properly, are we not utterly devoid of any hope of having this truest treasure? So what are your options? Well, let's go back to what we said at the beginning. What's your first option to get the kingdom, this, this kingdom treasure? Well, you could inherit it. But there's a problem there, isn't there? Because the Bible says we are all born sinners. We're born outside of the family. We are rebels. We've disobeyed God. In and of our flesh and our sinful nature we are not God's children we're not children of the kingdom so no that won't work we can't get this kingdom treasure by inheritance okay maybe well maybe we could buy it maybe we could work for it no that doesn't work either does it why because we are spiritually poor we are righteousness poor the Bible not only says that we're sinners and we've disobeyed God and that has separated us from Him, but it also means we have no righteousness. We have no perfection, no moral credit by which we could purchase our way into the kingdom. But then there's the parable. Maybe we could discover it. Maybe we could, we could trip up on it and, and somehow find it. We can't buy it. We can't inherit it. Maybe we could discover it. No, that doesn't work either. Why? Paul says that when people fail to trust in Jesus Christ, when they refuse to trust in Jesus Christ, why? 2 Corinthians. In their case, the God of this world has blinded them from seeing the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So even if it were possible... We would not even know the kingdom if we saw it. The kingdom could walk up in midday and stand right in front of us, but without a spiritual awakening, without the Spirit of God removing the blinders, we would have no idea that we're looking at the kingdom. So here's kingdom's greatest treasure available to anyone who would have it. The truest treasure in all the universe but here's the bad news. You're a sinner, so you can't buy it. You have rebelled against God, so you're not a part of His family. You can't earn it, and you can't find it. So what is our hope? You know what it is, don't you? It's Jesus Christ. The, the kingdom of heaven is the truest treasure. Here's the second part of the main idea this morning. The kingdom of heaven is the truest treasure. Listen, believer, you possess it because of Christ. You have the greatest treasure because of Jesus. Our hope 
is not that the treasure is found and kept by us. Our hope is that the treasure is found and kept by Jesus and then He freely gives it to those who believe. So you have this greatest treasure and you say, how do I get it? You ask. (laughs) You believe. You trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and then your sins are forgiven. Jesus, when he goes to the cross, pays the payment and the penalty for your sin. And when you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are forgiven of your sins. And then not only is your unrighteousness taken from you, but Jesus' perfect life, his righteousness is now given to you. So not only that, you are adopted into the family. You become God's son or daughter. So think about this. You You couldn't find it. You couldn't buy it. And you couldn't, uh, what's the other one? Inherit it, right? But then what does Jesus come along and do? He comes along and he lives the perfect life. And then when you believe, he gives you the righteousness. He pays for it on the cross. He buys it with his blood. And then he... You're adopted in God's family, so now you have it by birthright, by purchase, and the Spirit of God does a work in your life that you trust Jesus Christ. Now you have it because you see it and you want it. So everything that you hope in to enjoy the treasure of the kingdom of heaven comes to you by way of Jesus Christ, His kindness towards you, His love towards you think of it this way the parables are about priceless treasure that people find and are willing to give everything and how do we get that treasure it's because the treasure of heaven himself came down and gave everything What if these two parables are not primarily about how you obtain the kingdom, but how Jesus Christ obtained the kingdom for you? It says that those who who found the kingdom, they were willing to give everything. Did not Jesus give everything? His own life? He shed his blood? The priceless pearl of heaven's praises, Jesus Christ gives everything, his life for us. So possession of the kingdom as believers is ours because we are possessed. We are bought and paid for by Jesus Christ. So I want you to hear the good news this morning. The gospel is the good news that Christ has done everything to cleanse you, to save you, to restore you to relationship with God, to bring you into his family, but also that you might have the truest treasure you could possibly have. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, there's no way God could love me after the week I've had. There's no way God could love me after the year I've had. Understand this. Jesus did that so that your heart might enjoy the truest treasure. You were in your rebellion. 
You were in your sin. You were in your own ways and your idolatry and your pride and your lust. And yet Jesus says, I will do this so that your heart might experience and enjoy and have the greatest treasure you'll ever know. A treasure so great that in order to treasure it fully, it will take an eternity. Now tell me you think Jesus doesn't love you. The gospel is the good news that Christ has done all this. But then another reason that this is such good news is this means that the kingdom, this treasure, is given to us by grace to those of us who believe in Christ. Think about this. This happened a couple uh, days ago. We had some family in town and they brought gifts for our boys and, and they gave them. And one of my boys said, how much do I owe you for this? I want to give you money for this. But that, that doesn't make it a gift anymore, does it? And, and is not our sense of gratitude in some sense measured by the greatness of the gift and how that gap between the greatness of the gift and how much we contribute towards it? If I buy my wife uh, a snack... And then I say, I gave you this gift. And you know, she'll say, oh, thank you so much. That was sweet. If I go and I buy her a Tesla, and then I come and I say, you, you can't pay me back for it. Is there not a gap there? There's a distance there between the, the gift and how much is not being asked to contribute to it. So how much more? Is our gratitude welling up within us because of this treasure that is given to us? And when we realize that there's absolutely nothing, zero, zip, that we did to earn it, to merit it, that we could pay for it, that we can't, we can't set up a payment plan in the rest of our life, it's given to us freely because He loves us. So the kingdom of heaven is the truest treasure and believers possess it because of Jesus Christ. Believer, listen to me right now. Because of Jesus, you have the greatest treasure you could possibly have. What would change in your life if you realized that the greatest thing that your heart desires and wants has already been given to you? What, that thing that you struggle with, that, that lust, uh, that temptation that you struggle with, what if you began to look at what, is, what am I desiring in that temptation, in that moment? What need am I trying to fill? And then maybe realize just for a second, I have already been given the greatest treasure Believer, you have been given a kingdom that you did not find, you could not purchase, and you couldn't keep. It's freely given to you by God's kindness to you and Jesus Christ. Let that be what motivates your obedience this week. Not to keep the treasure, not to find a new treasure. But understanding the treasure of the kingdom has been given to you. There's no degrees here. 
It's been given to you fully. But then maybe you're here this morning and you don't know what it's like to have the treasure that we're talking about. And I want to be careful here because let's be honest about what we mean when we're talking about treasure. It's not just the treasure of the kingdom. You see, the kingdom's good. It's nice. I like the kingdom. But the greatest treasure is not just that Jesus gives us a kingdom. The greatest treasure of the gospel is that Jesus gives us himself. So as much as we might think it sounds so sweet to have the treasure of the kingdom, understand this. And and I'm not trying to necessarily make a distinction between the two. I mean, king and kingdom go together, right? But understand this. It's not just that Jesus gives us a kingdom and he says, all right, y'all enjoy. The gospel is good news that the greatest treasure that can be given to us has been given to us in Jesus Christ because the greatest treasure is Jesus Christ. And so maybe you think, why would, why would these Christians be so caught up on this treasure? It's because we have seen who Jesus is. We have seen His love. We have seen that though we were sinners, Christ died for us and we trusted in Him. And when we trusted in Him, we finally began to say, ah, there's what I've been looking for. There's what my heart all these years has been trying in so many things to be satisfied. But there it is. My thirst is finally quenched. My hunger is finally satisfied. I now have what my soul wanted most. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never experienced anything like that. I want you to know you can. You can. The good news is that this kingdom is available to you. What do you do? How do you respond if you want this treasure? It's as easy as this. You come to Jesus Christ and rest in Him. You rest, you put your faith in Him for the forgiveness of your sins. You, you say, Jesus, I am putting all my hope, I'm betting it all on you that you died on the cross and rose again for me. You pray something like that. It doesn't have to be exactly that way. You pray something like that. And you mean it. Even in the, the smallest corner of your heart, if, if it's just a little bit of faith, a little bit of hope, a little bit of trust, if it's placed in a perfect Savior, you're cleansed, forgiven, and you are given the kingdom and Jesus Christ himself. The kingdom of heaven is the truest treasure and we all possess it because of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace, God, your kindness, your undeserved goodness to us. God, I know that there are people uh, in this room, around the world, God, that we're so quick, we're so quick to go into what it is that we read a passage like this and think about, okay, what do, what do I do? What do I need to do? What? And this is one of those passages where you comfort us by telling you, 
you have, you have given us a tremendous blessing. You have blessed us beyond imagination. And then we, we would be tempted to ask, well, how can I pay you back? How can and, and, a mess, and a passage like this comes and says you can't. And it's still yours. It's a gift. And so, Lord, I pray that for each believer in this room and, and those that might listen later, God, that we would see our, our life as Christians, our life of obedience, our life of growth and sanctification and becoming more like Jesus, not about trying to keep the kingdom, not about trying to give up enough so that we can keep the kingdom, but that we would obey and follow out of love and gratitude for what you've done for us. That's a, those are two completely different worlds. So Lord, help us to be grateful. Help us to be awed and amazed at your goodness and kindness to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.